And joining us today on this Ponar's Eurasia podcast is Yegor Lazarev, an assistant professor at the University of Toronto. Igor, thank you so much for joining me for this Ponar's Eurasia podcast. Why did you become interested in studying the legal order in Chechnya? Thank you, Will. Uh, you know, I've been conducting fieldwork uh, in the North Caucasus for the past eight years. So I originally started in Dagestan, did some work in other Muslim-majority regions of Russia, in Ingushetia, in Kabardino-Balkaria. And um, originally, when I started doing this project, I had different ideas in mind. I wanted to study kind of political Islam and the role of Sufi Islam in the region. And just by being in the field, talking to people, I kind of came across this topic. So I, I was chatting, for example, with an imam and tried to ask about kind of the politics and interconnection between religion and politics. And I just observed how people brought their disputes uh, that range from some like minor issues, I don't know, maybe like divorce or debt, to issue involved like uh, blood feud and murder. And I was just completely fascinated with this situation when there are multiple alternative legal orders that govern uh, one society. And in uh, Dagestan, for example, it's basically this coexistence of Russian state law and uh, Sharia law. And in Chechnya, the situation is even more complex because in addition to Russian state law, Sharia law, there is also a strong uh, system of customary kind of pre-Islamic law known as Adat. And so I was just completely fascinated with the situation and started to explore that. And uh, basically, um, you know, first I found that, you know, people have strong preference to rely on custom and Sharia, but then I realized that's, you know, not surprising given the long history of resistance to the Russian rule uh, in the region, uh, you know, that culminated on two uh, bloody wars in the post-Soviet period. So ultimately, it's not really surprising that people rely on uh, non-state resolution systems based on custom and religion. But then at the same time, I found out that people uh, in the post-war period in Chechnya have been uh, actively relying on state law, and there was a dramatic uh, rise in the uh, number of court cases adjudicated through Russian legal order. And so this kind of made me interested in how do people choose between legal orders and what does government do uh, in terms of regulating them. To follow up on that, why does Kadyrov, the leader of Chechnya, promote Sharia law there? So yeah, so this is a kind of a, something I uh, came across uh, in the study that you know uh, that the government of Chechnya, that is technically in charge of promoting uh, Russian state law, have been actively promoting uh, Sharia law and also customary law. Uh, for example, the government established uh, Kadi courts, Sharia institution in all districts of Chechnya and supported councils elders in every single village in Chechnya. It also promoted some of the norms embedded in customary law and Sharia, like polygamy, honor killings. Uh, so the government, at least in terms of rhetorics, uh, supported uh, uh, these issues. And uh, in my explanation that I'm trying to provide in, in uh, the book I'm writing is that First of all, uh, these orders have strong legitimacy. So by promoting uh, customary law and Sharia, the government of Chechnya gains legitimacy. Uh, in addition, uh, another big benefit of it is discretion. So when you promote uh, basically three legal orders uh, and you are a stronger actor, you can uh, cherry pick between them and then choose the order that is most beneficial for you in a particular situation. And finally, uh, you know, by promoting this non-state legal orders, the government of Chechnya increases autonomy from the federal center. 
because you know if you have uh, a region where there are strong norms based on uh, Sharia and customary law, the Kremlin can just appoint some like random Russian person to govern this region because they have to know a very complica- complex uh, political and legal orders uh, in this in this region. Uh, so I think that's also part of this kind of bargaining game between uh, center and uh, Chechnya, which you know I think is one of the central issues of center proof relations in Russia and post-Soviet Russia in general. Finally, on that point, what are the chances that the Kremlin intervenes in Chechnya to enforce state law or take a greater role? Um, I think at least at this point, uh, Kremlin is totally happy with uh, kind of almost like imperial indirect rule through Ramzan Kadyrov. Uh, he was very effective in um, in the tasks that the Kremlin uh, asked him to do, mostly suppressing insurgency, uh, organizing the governance in an efficient manner, and, you know, Kadyrov did uh, some uh, kind of major reconstruction process, you know, the Republic was completely destroyed after the wars, and now, uh, you know, they rebuild the cities, rebuild, uh, rebuild the infrastructure, rebuild you know, villages, so there were basically major tasks that the Kremlin cared about, I think, uh, he successfully fulfilled, so, and at this point, there's some tensions about the presence or weakness of Russian state law uh, in the region, but uh, from the signals from the Kremlin at this point, uh, it doesn't seem that they would intervene in any foreseeable future. Fascinating. Uh, Igor, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thank you, Will.